The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Amen. Okay, so today we are in part four of our series, Better Together. Better Together. In part one of the series, look at Better Together, the common ground. In part two, we look at Better Together, the common wealth. In part three, last week, Better Together, the common health. And today, by the grace of God, we will be looking at better together the uncommon life. The uncommon life. Now, in, I think it's Genesis 18, that is our text. Genesis 18, we're going to read from verse 17. I think to 33, Genesis 18, from verse 33, 17, sorry, to 33. Okay. Now, this is God physically visiting the earth with angels, went to pay Abraham a visit. Now, did you know that God still physically visits the earth? Uh, we, 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 we are comfortable with the omnipresence of God. And that's fine. But God and angelic beings sometimes physically visit the earth. You know, that's why, I mean, I think it's Timothy that was, uh, Paul was saying, don't, uh, it was Peter, stop, don't stop being hospitable because many people have um, entertained angels without knowing. Anyway, so God visited the earth, told Abraham, your wife is going to have a child. Sarah laughed, you know, and says, yeah, God, you have a good sense of humor. And God said, why did Sarah laugh? In fact, by this time next year, according to the time of life, and on and on. So that was his first assignment on earth. When he came physically. So when he was leaving Abraham's house, again, I pray that God will physically visit you. Yeah. When he left Abraham's house, he was like, ah, should I hide my plan from Abraham? You know, I mean, this guy is my friend. Can I, should I hide from him? The Lord asked, for Abraham will certainly become a great and a mighty nation because I've blessed him. And he will, through him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I have singled him out. I pray that God will single you out for greatness in Jesus' name. So that he will direct his sons, his children, and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Did you know 
that the prophetic we come to, we see is the prophets and the prophetic is not God's primary plan to populate the earth and raise a people for himself. It was the job of the fathers. Everybody say the fathers. It was the job of the fathers to teach the family and to guide the family in the way of God. So when you have mothers taking spiritual charge of the family, something is wrong. There's no Bible study until mommy says, let's read the Bible. There's no prayer until mommy says, let's pray. There's, or even if there's a vacuum, something is wrong. God expects us as fathers to teach our families his ways. It was the act of the failure of fathers that led to the prophets. But that's not where we're going. And I will do for him all I have promised. So the Lord told Abraham, I have heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah. Because their sin is so flagrant. I am going down to see if their action... You know, God has seen it. He knows everything. So let, me, let me go physically. You know? <laughs> see if their actions are as wicked as I've heard. If not, I want to know. The other men turned... They were angels. But they were physically men. Changed into men. And added towards Sodom. But the Lord remained... With Abraham. Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous and the wicked? Suppose you find 50 righteous people living in that city. Will you sweep away and not spare for their sakes? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the righteous, along with the wicked. Why would you be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same? Surely, you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of the whole earth do what is right? Now, that is loaded, you know, in itself. May you have power with God. May you be able to say to God, you shouldn't do that, sir. Because you are the judge of the whole earth. Did you know that the righteous and the, and, and the people that are outside of Christ, did you know they should not be treated the same way? I'm not talking about segregation here. I'm just talking about scriptural facts. And the Lord replied, if I find 50 righteous people in Sodom, I will spare the entire city for 50. Then Abraham spoke again. Since you have begun, since, since I have begun, I've taken it upon myself to talk to you, my Lord and my God. Let me speak further to my Lord. Even though, you see, the fact that you have um, sync and relationship and connection and chemistry with God does not mean you should be disrespectful. The fact that God speaks to you and you talk to him back, never forget that 
that same God can snap his finger and you are no more and nobody can question him. It's, you see, it's a balance that a lot of people don't get. That's why you have wives that because they relate with their husband, they disrespect him brutally. Because, so, what does, what does he want to tell me? It's the same thing with God. That's why some people cannot sustain a relationship with God because God will just give them a distance. You cannot respect royalty. Something is wrong with that. Because royalty is playing with you does not mean you should. You should never, ever, ever say never, ever, never. get familiar. <laughs> uh, I wish we should just preach from this text and close the set. Well, we have to stay on course. And Abraham spoke again. Let me speak further to my Lord. Even though I am but dust and ashes. Suppose there are 45 righteous people rather than 50. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? Can you see that negotiation? It's not for lack of five. <laughs> and the Lord said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 righteous people there. Then Abraham pressed his request further. Suppose there are 40. And the Lord replied, I know where you are going, but I will not destroy it for the sake of 40. Abraham said, please don't be angry, my Lord. He pleaded. Let me speak. Suppose only 30 righteous people are found. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it for 30. Then Abraham said, since I have dared to speak to the Lord, let me continue. <laughs> Can you see how to, how, to, how to build a relationship with God? Right there. Suppose there are only 20. The Lord replied, then I will not destroy it for the, sake, for the sake of the 20. Finally, Abraham said, Lord, please, don't be angry. Some of us will have gotten angry by now. Imagine your wife is negotiating with you. She's beginning it now. Beginning it now. Ah, by now, you have said, woman, what's going on? But God says, Lord, don't be angry with me if I speak one more time. Suppose only ten are found there. And the Lord replied, then I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. When the Lord had finished his conversation with Abraham, may God have conversations with you. Amen. When he has finished conversation with Abraham, he went on his way. And Abraham returned to his tent. What was going on here? Abraham had a nephew, Lot, in the city of Sodom. And Abraham, when God said he was going to destroy the city, Abraham, because of Lot, said, God, because he knew you can't tell God not to do it. But because God is a just God, 
it is feels as the, the justice. But he says, but if you find 50, would you preserve it for 50? Now, if you read the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, you would think, oh, God is a, is a dangerous God that just tried to kill people. But if you read it in context, you can see that it's long-suffering. Totally long-suffering. He says, I've heard that men were sleeping with men, women were sleeping with women. I, I need to judge that. Abraham negotiated from 50 to 45 to 40 to 30 to 20 to 10. And he stopped. Why did he stop at 10? Why? Simple as straightforward. The reason God chose Abraham was because God said, I know Abraham, he will command his house after me. True or false? That is the reason. Lot lived with Abraham. Abraham discipled Lot, if you will. So Abraham was certain that this boy would have done evangelism. He would have influenced people for God to live righteously. This guy would have won souls for, for God's kingdom. So there must be 50 in that land. And God says, for 50, I won't destroy it. And the man says, ah, that boy is stubborn, no. Let's make it 45. God says for 45. He reduced it again to, to, to 40. God says for 40, I won't destroy it. He reduced it to 30. God says for 30. He reduced it to 20. God says for 20, I won't destroy it. And Abraham's confidence in Lord's righteousness was shaking. You can't be righteous all by yourself. The way it works is if you are righteous, righteousness is contagious. God expects that the people around you will catch it. You will be deliberate to influence your family. So God, Abraham said to God, if I find 10, if you find 10 there, will you destroy it for 10? Oh, judge of the whole earth. And God says for 10, I won't destroy it. Why did Abraham get to five? Why did he stay at one? Because he knows, okay, fine. There's one thing I am confident about. This boy will command his household after him. So Abraham was sure of 10 people in, in Lot's household. Not talking about the servants. There were so many that caused the division in the first place. Lot, his wife, two daughters. Each daughter has a husband. It doesn't claim the, in the Hebrew whether it's their um, um, yet to marry or not. But the way it is, is that when you have been betrothed, you know, when God said to Joseph, don't stop marrying, marry your wife. Okay, we were not physically married yet, but that's how the Bible says it. So, six of them. Each of the daughters, the, the tradition is they have two maids, two house helps each. Two, two, ten. Abraham was confident that there will be 10 people in Lot's house that he will have influenced. You see, there is power in numbers. You cannot say you are living for God and you turn a blind eye 
when your children are <laughs> doing all sorts. You can't because God expects you to be proactive, to, to you know, get to a point that you can't force them anymore, I understand that. But God expects you to, to train them. God expects you to engage your spouse. And many times we get discouraged because of we have tried. It has not worked. We've done this. It's not working. We've done that. It's not working. We've tried different things. They're not working. They appear rather not to be working. Many times also, life has happened to us. We've failed. We've been knocked down. We don't even want to get up. We don't even want to talk about Jesus anymore. We don't even want to talk about God anymore. We feel deflated. We feel defeated. We feel, what's the point? But I'm here to say to you this morning, by the Spirit of God, that you should get up and don't stay down. Get up. Why? Because the, the question is, in, in, in life, you, you may have been hit and knocked down, but the question is, is not if you have been hit. The question is, am I going to stay down? So today, when we look at the different aspects of the uncommon life, I've just zoomed it down to three. Many of us don't know that we are living on common lives. And many of us don't know what it is to live an uncommon life. We will see today that a peaceful life is an uncommon life. A prosperous life is an uncommon life. It's not common. A protected life is an uncommon life. And because we think, we don't, we don't appreciate the fact that our lives are really uncommon as it is, we think our lives are ordinary and common. So when we face challenges and things hit us, many times, you know, you just want to stay down. But God is saying to you, get back up. Do I get an amen? amen. Get up. Why? Because, you know, it's, it's not if you've been knocked down. That's not the issue. The issue is simple. Are you going to stay down? Are you going to stay down? Yes, your finances has received a knock. Yes, maybe it's your health. Yes, maybe it's, it's your marriage. Yes, maybe it's your relationship with God. But the issue is not if you have been knocked down. The issue is if you are going to stay down. The righteous falls how many times? Seven times and gets back up again. I say, but Pastor, my own is nine times now. So I have the right not to get up. <laughs> The point is this. The, the word seven there means the perfect time of falling. For some people, 
There are seven perfect times of falling is maybe the tenth time. But God says you will still get up. Do I get an amen? amen. So we, we see that a peaceful mind or a peaceful life is an uncommon, uncommon life. When you have a peaceful life, it's an uncommon life. Many people are doing so many things to just to get peace of mind. That's why addiction is on the rise. There's a stat I, I came across. And the stat is that one in every 10 Americans over the age of what? 12 are addicted to drugs and alcohol. One in 10. That's 24 million people. That's bigger than the size of Lagos. Imagine the whole, God forbid, Lagos addicted to. And, I mean, it's because they have the statistics. Do you know the numbers in Nigeria? I don't know. Not to talk of addiction to prescription drugs. Some people need to take Panadol. Do you know that? They're addicted to, to Coke. Some people are addicted to food. They're just addicted to food. Oh, I feel sad. I eat more. And it's peace of mind that they're after, not just the addiction. It's the peace of mind that they're after. Addic addicted to your phone. You sleep with your phone. Your phone is your baby. You caress it. You, that phone must not lose charge. You keep it charged, even though you know it's not safe. Why? You wake up in the morning. The first thing you do is not to bow to Jesus to check your phone. Has anybody liked my picture yet? You don't have peace of mind. If you are doing that, a lot of people are just looking for peace of mind. You see, the truth is this. God wants you to have a peaceful life. Everyone said, God wants me to have a peaceful life. He does. He wants you and I to have peaceful lives. John 14, 27. John 14, 27. The word of God says, I am leaving with you a gift. Amazing. I am leaving with you a gift. What's the gift? Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So, it's Jesus is saying, don't look for it in the world. You're not going to find it. It comes from me. So, don't be troubled or afraid. It comes from me, the peace you are looking for. Sometimes, you know, you have a lot of stuff on the outside, but you are in turmoil on the inside. God is going to speak peace to that situation in Jesus' name. Sometimes, you even have Jesus in your boat, physically, but you are in a storm. You are not at peace, and you are taking. Jesus is still there, but you are not as, at peace. Because Jesus is sleeping, as it were, <laughs> in your boat. Jesus is sleeping means many things. One of the things it means is it's passive. It's not active in your life. It's not involved. It's not engaged. 
with your decisions. And one of the things that make Jesus passive is you have an instruction from God, but you don't obey it. You can never have peace now. How can you have peace? You, God, God has given you an instruction. You, you have a duty to God. This is what God requires of me. But you don't do it. You push it aside. But you are looking, you are filling your life with activity, a lot of activity. You are looking for peace. You are taking, you know, um, 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 watching, there's this channel that just shows um, serene environment, peaceful music, you know. <laughs> what channel is that? There's, you know, so you, you try to get peace from the outside. That is good, though. But you see, Jesus is saying you can only get peace from the inside. Your peace should be the one that surpasses all understanding. So until you obey the Holy Spirit, forget about peace. You will never have peace of mind until you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. But once you have peace, a peaceful life, it's an uncommon life. It's uncommon because many people are looking for it. They don't have it. They don't have it. Oh, I just this peace in this house. Have you heard that before? You heard that before? Can't a man have peace of mind, woman? I need my peace of mind. Stop fighting people and stop demanding peace of mind from people. They can't give you. The problem is not your wife that is not giving you peace of mind. The problem is your relationship with God. That's the problem. And I thought all the men would clap there. <laughs> all the women, everybody. <laughs> really, really, really. really. No, that's the problem. So, we, we fight things from the outside. Nobody can make you um, um, unpeaceful without your permission. Nobody. No storm can make you unpeaceful if you don't give it the strength and the, and the chance. So, a, a few keys to um, a peaceful life. Remember, the uncommon life is what? The peaceful life is uncommon life. The Prosperous life is uncommon life, and the protected life. So we are going to go real fast. <laughs> Keys to peace. Number one, forgive. Everyone say forgive. Matthew eighteen. Matthew eighteen. From verse thirty-four, it says, "Now then, the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured." Now this is a man that he. The king had forgiven the man of what he did wrong, but the man refused to forgive his fellow, his colleague, for what they did wrong. And it says the king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid the entire debt, obviously, which none of us can. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and your sisters, from where? From your heart. 
You see, the reason a lot of us don't have peace is because we've not forgiven people from our hearts. The reason you don't have peace is because somebody offends you. You came to church. Maybe pastor upset you. How can he be wearing a black tie? And you just got angry. And every time you, you come, you're just beefing him. Something wrong with that. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. I mean, that's just a joke, right? But there are sometimes we just don't let people go. And God is saying, for you to have peace, you have to forgive. Someone, a wise man, rightly said that for every minute you remain angry, you give up 60 seconds of your peace of mind. Every minute you remain angry. Sometimes we feel it's justifiable and we want to maintain our anger. We want to sustain the anger. We feel we have the right to be angry. But guess what? You are trading your peace of mind. Which one is more important to you? <laughs> really, you are trading your peace of mind. So the first thing to have peace is to forgive. I was to forgive. The second is to accept your life. Accept. You see, many times we, we are like in a, we are swimming against the current. Instead of we to, to swim with the flow. We don't accept our lives. This is, we didn't choose our lives. But we have to live it. Accept it. In fact, one of the greatest keys to peace is to realizing that it is what it is. It is what it is. I didn't choose to have X. <laughs> but it is what it is. Accept it. I didn't choose that why would happen to me. Such a devastating thing happening to me. I never imagined it. But guess what? It has happened. Accept your life. I'm not saying the situation is right. I'm just saying you are right. Even if the situation is not right. In, in the sense that God wants you to be at peace. God totally, totally wants you to be at peace. It may not be your fault. It's not your fault that you have a beautiful wife. It's not your fault. Just accept it. We don't choose our lives. We live it. <laughs> Hallelujah. We live it. We live our life. Just live your life. The reason a lot of people are not living their lives is that they want to choose their lives first. You want to choose the life you want to live. And everyone is saying, no, you live the life you have been given. You deal the hands you are dealt. You use the hands you are dealt. You don't, you see, you keep wishing from now till forever that your parents were not Nigerians. There is absolutely nothing you can do about that. Just accept it. Absolutely nothing. So many times you just need to be still. 
Psalm 46. You just need to be still. Verse 10. God says, be still and know that I am God. Be at peace and know that I am God. I will be honored throughout the whole world. So, what am I saying? We have peace of mind, not because we're in control, but because we've accepted that God is in control. We have peace of mind, not because we're able to control everything, but because we know that our God is what? Is in control. Number three, keys to peace, gratitude. Gratitude. Be grateful. You know, and I can say a lot about this. Gratitude has a way of making you peaceful. The, the reason many times a lot of people are in turmoil is because of ingratitude. Just stop and be grateful. Stop and check. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Because you can be unhappy or you can be grateful, someone said, but you can't be both. You can't be both. You can't be both unhappy and grateful. It doesn't work. It, it doesn't work. When you are unhappy, you are ungrateful. When you are grateful, you can't be unhappy. It is totally, totally impossible. So, kiss to peace. Number one is what? Is what? Forgive. Number two? Number three? Gratitude. And number four, banish fear. Banish fear. First John 4, 18. First John 4, 18. Such love has no fear. Now, you remember, all these things are in context of community. I mean, everything is in context of community. Because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is because of fear of something going wrong punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced perfect love. So, God is saying, when you are living in fear, fear steals your peace. It shows that you've not embraced perfect love. It shows that you have not fully So, God wants me to live a peaceful life. And a peaceful life is what? A peaceful life is an uncommon life. Praise the name of the Lord. So, a peaceful life is an uncommon life, number one. Number two, a prosperous life is an uncommon life. Now, some people say, ah, okay, Pastor, in fact, that is proof I am not living an uncommon life. Because some other people are prospering, but it appears that I am not. So, yes, I can, you know, that peace thing, I can trust God for it. But right now, my reality, that prosperity thing, I don't think it is happening. And I ask, is that so? Ask your neighbor, is that so? No, that's, that's, so is that so? <laughs> I'm going to show you a few things that we, 
that should shatter your, you know, paradigm. There are about seven billion people in the world. What's the number? And there are about 180 million to 200 million Nigerians. Now, population below the poverty line. Chad, 80% of the population of Chad is below poverty line. Nigeria, how many percent? 70%. Are below the poverty line. Seventy percent. Now, if you really think you are one of those seventy percent, let me see your answer. Be honest. If you, you really, I really, Pastor, I really think I'm one of seventy percent. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I just need to know you are there. Wherever you are seated. Should we ask people to close their eyes and bow their heads? <laughs> now, let's, even if you are contemplating, am I, am I not? A lot of people in this place earn more than 20,000 a month. Again, if you are not a student, even students earn more than 20,000, some of them. And you and less than 20,000 naira a month. There's no shame. Please, let me see your hands up. Okay? Okay. Two people. Did you know that if you earn 20,000 a month, you are in the top 35% richest people in the world. If there are 10 people, it means you are coming third. That's what these stats say. With your salary, 20,000 a month, that is so little that God is not faithful. You can pay the monthly salary of 11 doctors in Pakistan. Medical doctors. You can pay 11 of their salary. You that you are earning 20,000 a month. And guess what? <clears throat> you are richer than 4 billion 945 million 267 1,537 people. There are 7 billion in the world. You are richer than almost 5 billion people. With 20,000 naira a month. That's the source there. Um, Globalrichlist.com You are prosperous. 
A prosperous life is an uncommon life. If you are earning 20K a month, God will promote you in Jesus' name. But I want you to realize that your mentality about yourself has to change. When you are saying the prosperous life is an uncommon life, you must see yourself as living an uncommon life because this is not common. Almost 5 billion people would like to have what you have. If you are earning 20,000 a month, you can pay the salary of 11 doctors in Pakistan. 11 medical doctors. Let's say you pay yourself the salary of a Pakistani doctor. Then that means you can take care of 11 doctors, 10 doctors, and you will still be fine. Now, what if, what if you are earning 100,000 a month? 100,000 a month. It means you are the top 12% richest people in the world. <laughs> Do you feel differently already? <laughs> you can pay the salary of 57 Pakistani doctors. In fact, even if you choose to keep the salary of seven of them for yourself, you can still feed 50 medical doctors in Pakistan. Now, you are richer than 6,278,000 sorry, million people. And you are complaining. Something is wrong. And what is wrong is our heart. And we need to begin to see that the prosperous life is an uncommon life. Now, some of us are earning half a million. Some of us are earning a million. Some of us are earning 10 million a month. I know some of us are earning more than 10 million a month. I understand that. Now, imagine where you, where you actually are. Imagine where you actually are. In the scheme of things. Third John 1-2 says, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. God wants you to have an uncommon life. And a prosperous life is what? It's an uncommon life. The quality of your health and your wealth is linked to the people around you. Again, everything is community. Jeremiah 29, 7 that we read last week. Jeremiah 29, 7. It says, you walk and walk for the peace of and prosperity of the city where I sent you. It says, pray for the Lord, pray to the Lord for it. For its welfare determines your, your welfare. Everywhere is very quiet now. Everybody is humble. <laughs> hey, Peaceful life is an uncommon life. A prosperous life is an uncommon life. 
And we also know, as we've said earlier, that a protected life is an uncommon life. People are desperate for protection. They're seeking protection from their wealth, financial protection. They're seeking protection for their, from their, for their children, protection for their family, protection for their health, protection for their life. Why do you think people join secret cults? Why? Nobody in his right senses should join a secret cult. But why would people join a secret cult? It's simple. They want protection. Protection from this, protection from that. Why do people go to shrines? They want protection from this, protection from that. A protected life is an uncommon life. And you have God's protection. So you are living an uncommon life. Praise the name of the Lord. You are living an uncommon life. And you need to realize that. A protected life is what? It's an uncommon life. God will hide you in the secret place of his tabernacle. In the mighty name of Jesus. God will hide you far from oppression of men. In the mighty name of Jesus. So, when you look at how life is structured, danger comes from three main sources. Three main sources. Danger comes from Satan, from man, and believe it or not, from God. <laughs> comes from God. Danger can come from man, from Satan. That's clear. From man, obviously. Abel, Cain and Abel. It wasn't the devil that made Cain kill Abel. It was jealousy. So, man can just decide to do you harm without the prompting of, 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 of the devil. And it can come from God, because when God wants to judge a city, like Sodom, we, we saw the conversation between Abraham and God. So, God can actually bring stuff that is unpleasant, based on when people do what he doesn't like. Now, when you look at the different sources of, of danger, what we should realize is this. There's no protection anywhere else. Protection only comes from who? Real protection comes from God. You know? We've had people brought, they brought charms to be burnt. Why? Because those charms and amulets were given to them for protection. And we burnt them in the name of Jesus. And they are still alive today and they are protected. Glory be to God. I was speaking to someone and he says to me, oh, he's in a cult. I, I laughed. I said to him that the, the uh, thing you are doing is powerless. And he was offended. I said, it's totally powerless. And I explained to him how it's powerless. I said, if you want the real power, the real protection, come to Jesus. Because with him alone is protection. I can, I can tell you stories upon stories upon stories where God has demonstrated that he alone is God. So, danger can come from man, from Satan, or from God. It can. 
But God wants us to be protected. When we're in community, we are protected. When we're in God's presence, Psalm 91, verse 1, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadows of the Almighty. We are protected. When we are with each other, Ecclesiastes 4, we are protected. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. So, the question is this. Are you standing alone? Or do you have backup? Do you have people that can stand back to back with you? Are there people that you know that the enemy will have to take them down before they take you down? Of course, if you are with Jesus, Jesus is one of such persons. On earth, you should have people. And God has put you in a church so that you can have people. So that you can be in community because we are better together. The story we read, if not for Abraham, what would have happened to Lot? What would have happened to Lot? If Abraham didn't have the connection he had with God, what would have happened to Lot? Yesterday, I was, you know, in conversation with God, and he was saying how I should pray for, <laughs> pray for all your children in Houston. You know, we have a quite a number of people there that live there. And, you know, I was like, bringing them up one by one. There's a horrible, I mean, flood. People don't understand that those things, eh, there's no time I will have explained it. Because if I just say it without explaining it, you may not understand where I'm coming from. The flood, the, the storm can be averted. Did you know that? But again, so, so I was, you know, in that place, you know, saying for this person, Lord, you will not destroy Houston. For this person, you know, for this person. For this person, Lord, you will not. You know? And, you know, I, I was speaking to one of them, and, and the person said to me, oh, pastor, are you praying for us? <laughs> I said to, to her, you are asking the wrong question. He said, eh, so, so what should I say? I said, you should have said, pastor, keep praying for us. Are you praying for us? What do you mean by that? My point is this. And I know nothing will happen to them by the grace of God. My point is this. You have to be that kind of person for people. And you also need those kind of people in your life. By the time you get to verse chapter 29 of Genesis, Genesis chapter 29, you know, listen to what God, the, the Bible says, it says, but God listened to Abraham request and kept Lot safe, removing him from disaster that engulfed the city. And that translation says, God remembered Abraham and brought Lot out of the catastrophe. May God remember you 
and bring out your loved ones from catastrophe. May you have people that God will remember and bring you out of catastrophe. May you have people that God will say, because of my son, just an example, okay? I will bring you out of this catastrophe. Listen, a protected life is an uncommon life. A lot of people are walking like headless chickens. God wants your life protected. God wants your life prosperous. God wants your life peaceful. God wants you to live an uncommon, uncommon life. Let's burn our hearts. Let's burn our heads. You are saying today, Pastor, I need to live this uncommon life. I need peace in my life. I need to prosper. I need prosperity in my life. I need to be protected. I need protection in my life. Pastor, I am not saved. I'm not born again. Jesus is not none of my life. I want to release my life to Jesus. I've never been born again. Or you're saying, I used to be born again, but I backslid. Can I come back to God's protection? Can I come back under the shadows of his wings? Yes, you can now. Wherever you're seated, I want to pray with you. If that is you, and you're wondering, should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. Wherever you're seated, I want to pray with you. If that is you, put up your hand now over your head. Quickly, you put up your hand well. Over your head, not on your head. Shoot it up, God bless you. Put it up over your head. Shoot it up. Over. Keep it up. If you're online, the instructions are scrolling. God bless you. God bless you. Keep the hands up until you get the card. God bless you. That is me, Pastor. Dress of us, let's talk to God about what we've heard. Oh, Father, we thank you. Lord, we give you praise and glory in the name of Jesus. That every life in this place will be peaceful. That all our lives, every life in this place will be prosperous. Say amen. amen. And every life in this place will be protected. Amen. Protected under the shadows of your wings. In the mighty name of Jesus. Honor and glory we give unto you. Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Let's pray together for the Lord. We are better together, even in clapping for Jesus. Amen.